And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Hey guys, welcome back to our episode of the Best Life Podcast. This is Danny J. And Jill Coleman. And okay, hopefully you listened to our first episode. We just gave an intro of ourselves and we figured we would go right into the deep stuff because, well, that's the way we like to do it. Yeah, I think it's good to get into the mess a little bit. So we actually wanted to go ahead and just start off with basically what brought us here, what brought us together was the end of our marriages and affairs. The deep, dark, dirty word of your spouse cheating on you. And um, this is something that was really, really embarrassing, really embarrassing for me to even actually say out loud. In fact, when it happened, um, I was actually scared to even tell Jill and I had known what she'd been through already. So we're going to get into it. We're going to tell you guys like the facts, um, kind of just how it all went down and then some of the lessons and what things are really about, what they brought up for us, what they brought up for a lot of people. We're just going to get into it. So let's start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your marriage before the affair? Yeah. So I know a lot of you guys, if you had been following me online, I really brought my husband into, I really brought him into my online life, at least the last couple of years. It used to just be me and my husband and I met in 2006 and we fell in love really quickly. And literally I was one of those where like you knew right away, but I think we had both been, you know, in long-term relationships before we weren't wanting to jump into anything, but we had this fast and really amazing, like love. And we kept that up for the 10 years we were married. We actually ended up having a business together. We worked from home together. We spent 2014 and 2015 moving in an RV and we traveled around the country. So we were together 24 seven. And that was probably one of the harder parts of our marriage, but also the most fun. We grew so much. We had the best time and to be with somebody 24 seven in a small, I mean, not just 24 seven, but in 200 square feet in a moving home is quite it's quite a, a challenge and I don't know if most marriages could handle that and we just were really literally each other's best friends and Nate and I were kind of the couple that people would even ask us like what's your guys' secret and actually it was maybe six months before the affair we had gone out to dinner with Jade uh, Jill's ex-husband and he was like what's your guys' secret and one of the things we said was was honor. And I know a lot of people talk about communication, that that's the big key in relationships. But for us, we thought communication was kind of easy for us or so I thought, but we really did try to honor each other. And I would ask him what I could do to honor him and and the same vice versa. And so we really kind of had that level of respect for each other. So that all being said, um, when I found out about his affair, it was beyond shocking. I mean, it was one of those things where, and I actually had gone out to Jill with Jill in May of 2016. And we were talking about our marriages. And I said, the one thing I know, and I, I knew this, the one thing I know is Nate will never cheat on me because he's too loyal and he's a bad liar. (laughs) Well, the second part is still true. (laughs) Yeah. And he is, and he was a bad liar and it was kind of funny how it all came out, but it was one of those things where it's not even that you'd never think it will happen to me. You just, I didn't even think it would happen because he just wasn't that kind of person. And I, I also realized that there's certain kinds of like 
kind of person, I'm putting finger quotes up here, you can't see me, but you think that it only happens to certain relationships or certain kinds of people. And I, I used to think, well, a man will cheat or a woman will cheat if they're getting ignored or, or they're fighting a lot. Like, of course they have to be in a bad marriage. And so I was going, we're not, we don't have a bad marriage. We actually have a good marriage and we were friends and it was so confusing. And so we'll, I'll go into that later on why these things happen and, and how it could happen. But it was definitely one of the most shocking things I ever learned. And then the initial embarrassment was really surprising. I didn't want anyone to know. I had my sister-in-law knew and one of my best friends, cause I happened to just, she called right after I found out. So I put her on speakerphone and basically she got in the middle of the drama, but I didn't tell my parents at first. Um, I didn't want to tell any friends. I thought we could just cover it up. I thought we could just work through it and that nobody would have to know. I didn't want people to think that he was a bad guy. And so I was trying to protect him and, and I don't think he was a bad guy and I still don't think he's a bad guy. Um, but I was trying to protect him. And I was also just thinking, man, I've been posting on social media and people think we have this great marriage and is, is my marriage a lie? Like, is this all fake? Did I not, should I have seen this coming? So yeah, that was, that was pretty insane. And then, uh, funny enough, Jill called me and she goes, Hey, are you guys moving to California? Cause Nate and I had talked about moving and I go, well, not us. <laughs> and I just broke down and you know, Jill being who she is and also going through a similar circumstance, she said, come stay out here with me. And I remember just thinking, I don't know what else to do. I was trying to figure it out. I was thinking maybe I go live with my parents. I didn't know what else to do. And when she said that, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Cause if you are, I think, I think I'm going to come. And yeah, that really changed my life and helped me out so much. But yeah, the marriage thing ending, this was never any, any, anything. I don't think anyone ever gets married thinking they're going to get a divorce, but I definitely think nobody expects to get married and have it end in a cheating or an affair. Yeah. Yeah. And so what other emotions did you feel when you found out? I don't want to like skip over this part. I know we talked about it a little bit, but I think it's important for anyone who has been on any side of this yeah. to understand, you know, I think that initial shame and feeling of embarrassment, especially when you feel like you've been in social media too, you've been putting on a certain face um, and you even have a business together yeah. and there's a lot of identity that is wrapped up in being part of this power couple or part of this twosome where, um, you know, people do look to you guys as aspirational. I remember asking you like, what, you know, what is the secret or, and, um, and just wondering, yeah, that's a big thing that I kind of have forgotten about over the year, but my identity was so much in us. It wasn't me. It was, everything was us. And we had just gone. So this was, I found out in June, 2016, but December, 2015, we locked ourselves in a hotel room for three days in Vegas. And we just wrote out our goals and like what our vision were, what our vision was as a couple together. And we had this poster above our bed and it was literally just everything that we wanted together to achieve as a couple and everything in my future. Like when I lost my marriage, I lost, 
it was like a death. It was, I grieved this future that I didn't have. And I, you know, I hate to compare it to maybe somebody having a miscarriage or losing a child. And I've heard women say, you know, they're, they're, they feel weird about being sad because they never met the baby, but it's the idea. Like you already put yourself in the future of what's going to happen. You know, like this child is going to grow up and graduate and, and then it never happens. And it's one of those things for our marriage was we had all these big dreams together and that was just gone. And I remember looking at some of the visions I wrote and it was just, we are doing this, we are doing this. And it was going, okay, there's no we now. It's just me. And that was also so scary because I don't know. I didn't expect to be alone. I didn't expect to be alone. Even though I knew I could handle it. I knew I could be alone. It just, it wasn't on the plan. (laughs) So I'm going to, I totally agree. And I want to ask you a question that I think is on most people's minds when they hear that someone had an affair. Yeah. Why? Why do you believe that your ex-husband had an affair? Yeah. So in the moment, okay, in the moment, the first thing I think you go is, well, is she better than me? Is she prettier than me? Is she smarter than me? Is she, I mean, all the things, you know, of course, the first thing I would do is like, who's this bitch? (laughs) I got to find her. So of course I go on social media and I'll tell you guys, um, I actually met her. So I found found her on social media. I showed up to the gym. I didn't know if she would be there, and she happened to be. And of course, I went through all of the things where I text my sister-in-law. I saw her on the treadmill, and I go, I just wanted to like push her face down and just let it the belt burn it. I mean, I was there. But my sister goes, don't don't do it. <laughs> like, don't be crazy. That'll give him a reason to, you know, basically give him a reason. Like, oh, look, of course your wife is crazy. So I actually, <laughs> I actually waited until she was done. And, and then I walked over to her and she, she instantly knew who I was. And I said, Hey, can we talk? And, uh, we ended up going to the locker room and we, we talked a little bit and it was really interesting. I felt compassion for her and I looked at her and I was like, she's not prettier than me. She, in fact, if anything, she looked very similar to me, which I thought was interesting, similar body type. She was just different. She was different than me. And she didn't have her shit together. To be honest, I was like, I'm a little bit more together and I'm a little bit more. And so I, the fact that you could even like, I just want to like share the fact that you could (laughs) even be that objective in that moment and feel compassion almost, or like at least empathy for someone who, you know, that it would have been so easy to just blame it 100% on her. Yeah. And you know what? We even hugged, like we cried and I hugged her and she said she was going to leave. She goes, I'm going to block his number and I'm going to go away. And I believed her and that didn't happen. She didn't. And they ended up keeping it going. Um, but yeah, I just, ah, it was in such a hard place. It is so hard to take the high road in this situation. I mean, I will tell you, and I'm not going to say I'm such a good person. The thoughts were there. Believe me. I wanted to light his stuff on fire. I like had these grand visions of like, you see, um, music videos, like of people just taking a bat and bashing car windows and slashing tires. I mean, I wanted to do it all, but my sister-in-law was so good to me. She just kept reminding me like, just think in two years or three years, are you going to regret doing that? Mm. I actually don't know if I would have regretted it, but it might've felt really good. I don't know, (laughs) but I am proud of how I handle myself because I will say this, um, the last thing I wanted, and I think it was more of just getting back as I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of me being crazy. So I had to hold it together because I didn't want them to be like, see, my wife was crazy and that's why I'm having the affair. But the reasons why were really interesting. So of course, that's the first thing I asked him. I said, why? Why is this happening? And he he said, the first thing he said is, you don't need me. And that was really 
interesting because I thought, yeah, of course I don't need you, but I want you. And we can talk about this more when we, we get into kind of some of the whys and reasons for affairs. But, um, you know, a man, he didn't feel in his power. He wasn't really contributing financially in the last year and he needed to be needed. And I was just kind of taking over and I was doing my own thing because I, I had to, you know, I was thinking if, if he's not going to bring in the money, I'm going to bring in the money. Um, and I was working really, really hard, but now looking back, I see how I kind of, I didn't mean to unknowingly made him feel emasculated because I was taking over that role. And, you know, he said some other things that were just equally silly. He said, because I didn't like Christmas and because I didn't celebrate these things. And honestly, it was a lot of justification for his behavior. Because everyone's in kind of in shock, though. Y- you yes. know, I mean, I think everyone is kind of in shock that this could transpire. Yeah. So it's like a waking up moment. Oh, my gosh. You know, because it's kind of like everyone's a little bit asleep. Yeah. Well, and then in compartmentalizing and all that kind of stuff. And then when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. You're just kind of left to deal with the aftermath of your actions. Totally. It's it's crazy, too, how much, at least for me, the first thing is I started to blame myself. Of course. So, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not all the things. And then I met the girl and I realized that wasn't the case. And the one thing that really got me through a lot of this was I kept repeating this mantra. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And every time I kept going, I kept going to this, like, I should have done this different. I should have done this different. I had to remind myself and I'll go back to this too, because I want to kind of talk about some of the lessons, but it wasn't about me. The affair wasn't about me. Now that's not to say I didn't have any responsibility because I think that's a completely different thing, but the actions that he took were not about me. And that was one thing that helped me get through it faster. I think, I think it's really, um, irresistible to try to catalog all the things, right? When did this happen? When was the moment that he decided to betray you? Like, what was the thing that happened? And so we always want to know, was there a specific thing that I did? And I I can speak from my experience. There just, it wasn't, it's not, there's not one single thing. It wasn't like one bad fight that you got in, you know, maybe, you know, it was more, it's a, it is a cumulative thing that you know, unfortunately can grow over time. And so going back to, was I just, you know, was it because I, you know, didn't dress up or because I, you know, gained five pounds or, you know, it's not any of that stuff. And that was it too, right? I was going, well, I've gotten a little, I haven't been working out as much. (laughs) Um, maybe I'm just a little too sloppy, but it's, yeah, it's just not that. And I, I see women go through this and men too, you know, you'd see it and you just go, honey, it's not you. I mean, there are things, of course, there are things that, but you can't take away someone else's actions. Your what you've done is not a reflection of their actions. There's there's two sides. There's three sides to every story. In there this situation, th- there's maybe four sides to every story. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you want to talk about yours and then we talk about sure. our lessons? Okay. So because Jill, I think we have a lot of overlap. Yeah. Lessons too. Yeah. So yours, your affair story is a little bit different than mine because mine. So I found out pretty much immediately because, as I said earlier, that Nate was a bad liar. <laughs> Basically, he was making himself sick because he was doing it, and he was having like ulcers. And I had known something was going on, but literally did not know it was that. I remember sitting down, staring at him across the couch, and I said, "Honey, tell me what's going on. What is wrong?" 
And I kept saying this and this was going on for about four weeks. And I literally just thought he was depressed because we were living with my grandmother and there was a lot of craziness going on in the family. And I was like, maybe you need to get on medication. Like maybe you're just depressed. Maybe you need to see a counselor. And I had no idea it was that, but his affair had lasted. Basically it started in March. I found out in June, but it was not really on in March of probably April, May. And then I found out in June. So it was like two and a half, three months. But your story is just slightly different in how you found out. And well, because like. so, and then you found out, and then within like a month, you left. Yeah, it was kind of like this because he was kind of in a place where he wasn't ready to fully cut things off. Yeah, or couldn't, and so you were left with kind of no other choice. Yeah, like you, you know, in your mind, we're kind of like, well, let's work on it. But if the other person's not available to work on it necessarily, yep. then you kind of have you're left with the choice of okay, I need to do what I need to do for me, and so I'm going to leave. So my situation was a lot different in that respect, but similar in that you and I talked about this quite a bit you know with Jade and I it was full steam ahead from the get go Mm -hmm. I mean we met and it was just like fireworks you know and it was unstoppable the connection was unstoppable from the beginning and we had a really happy relationship for a long time he was older than I was about 8 years I was 24 at the time and similar with you guys and Jade had a lot of experience he was a doctor he was you know had a like he had lived away from like he had done all all these things that I had and he started a company he was writing a book and in many ways and this is his superpower but in many ways um, he was like kind of a mentor to me Mm -hmm. we were always equals in a lot of ways financially things like that but he had more experiences had been exposed to more things and so I kind of put him up on this pedestal for a while and I think for him and I don't know the whys I mean he probably he you know it's just I think just learning the whys now but we had a really happy marriage for a long time. Again, similar, both worked together, did company together, lived together. I mean, we we spent every second together. And I yep. think looking back, that was maybe a little bit of a disservice. But to your point, you know, there's not many people I feel like who can do that, yeah. like be in that close proximity with the other person all the time. If I went somewhere to speak, he came with me. Like we traveled together, we did all that stuff. And this was the other part that was hard for us to understand too, because we were going, how did they do this? <laughs> like logistically, we were, we were together. Together all the time. How did this happen? I mean, yes. that- I know, and that is—it's confusing. And you, again, you do feel like a fool. Yeah. When people say that, and you know, one of the things I want to talk about briefly is when you're going through something like this. A lot of times, you think you are so alone. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things that Byron Katie does, and we'll talk about more on um, what she says in her work, is really helpful for me. She says there are no new stories, and in the moment that you're in the shit and you're in that like super painful place, you feel like no one else could possibly understand what you're experiencing. But the more I've talked to women, the more you and I have had conversations, I've had emails from hundreds of people saying their situation is exactly the same. Circumstance is different, but the feelings are the exact same. So I've always heard people say, oh, it made me feel like a fool. And I didn't quite get that until I did. And I was like, that's exactly what it feels like. And so you do feel like and by the way no one goes into it wanting to hurt their spouse Mm -hmm. so I know that for Jade like he would you know he in fact he was like innate sick about the fact that they were deceiving us so it wasn't from a place of like maliciousness or anything like that but I think it is confusing on my side or your side to just not under fully understand how that's happening either logistically or emotionally (laughs) or any of that and you know one thing that 
I learned, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. I love the work of Neil Strauss. So I know he's the one who wrote the book, The Game, which is pickup artistry, which is kind of a super silly book, but it's it's really well written. But then his next book was called, or his most recent book was called The Truth. And I read that and it's all about like is, you know, all different types of relationships. And one thing he calls, and this is so applicable to my situation in any situation like this, is he says it's called pain shopping Mm -hmm. when you want to know all the details and you want to know the who, the where, the how, when did it happen? When was the thing? Like, where did you meet? Like all that kind of stuff. And I remember distinctly to Jade's credit, as soon as I found out, I was like, where did it happen? When was it? And he said to his credit, he said, Jill, I will tell you but I want to make sure that you actually want to know. Yeah. And I did. And I said, you're right. I don't want to know. And I still don't want to know. Yeah. You know, I have my suspicions, but for me, it's not about any of that. And and I thought I wanted to know. And then the more I found out, the more crazy I felt. Totally. Because I was getting in this place where I was looking through the text and then I was going online to check the phone records to find out what her number was. And then he literally just shut it off right away. And I realized, I go, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to turn into a crazy person and have to know all the details. But it is really tempting to do the paid to pay do the so paid shopping it's exactly what it sounds like it's like yeah. you know what the more i know then i get to blame myself for more stuff mm-hmm. right oh it happened when i went out of town yeah so i just shouldn't have gone to that conference because yeah. if i was in town then i could have prevented it and honestly if someone wants to have an affair they're gonna have an affair mm-hmm. so it's not about you did one specific thing wrong and that allowed for it to happen you know so yeah. it was to jade's credit i'm glad he asked me that because i was like you know i don't want to know yeah. but you get to relive it over and over and over again and one thing that byron katie says is who is more hurtful the person who wronged you once or you for reliving it in your mind hundreds of times yeah and i'm like yes the possibility is always there and so from a logistical perspective this is why it was a little bit different i found out about jade's affair after it had already been over for a year and a half Mm -hmm. so it had already been over it lasted two years which is a long time yeah (laughs) which is a long time and then it was over for a, a long time so it was a really strange place to be. Yeah. Because I think in Esther Perel's work, I'm sure we'll talk about her. Esther Perel says, you know, in the old days, the shame was in leaving. Yeah. Now the shame is in staying. Yeah. And so as a strong woman, as an independent woman, I had a lot of shame around staying. Does it mean I'm a doormat? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that, you know, I don't respect myself? You know, if I was stronger, I would have just left. And so I had all these stories running through my head and questioning. But the bottom line was I didn't want to leave. Yeah. You know, and that was the sad and it made me feel weak to even think about that. It's I'm glad you brought that part up because I was that's why I wanted to cover up and like hide it because I realized if people knew I felt like I would get blamed for staying but I was like you don't understand I love him and this is I don't want to just throw this away yeah and I was going I don't want to leave and there was a shame in wanting to stay initially because I I didn't want people to know because I thought if they did know they would say what's wrong with you why are you still with him and I used to say to my like out loud if I ever found out somebody was cheating on me or having an affair I would leave I would leave in a heartbeat and Believe me, I've had, I've had a lot of people whose who's spouses, and this is fine, I have a lot of people whose spouses have not had affairs say that to me. Yeah. I would have been out two years ago. Yep. I would have been out a year ago. Yep. And, and I, I said those easy. things. It's easy to say until you're there, and then you're like, oh my God. I literally thought 
if that had ever happened to me, I would be out in a heartbeat. And then it happened and I just felt confused. And no, I didn't want to be out. I just wanted it to be back to normal. I yes, just wanted you to, just wish it didn't happen. I just wish it didn't happen. Yeah. You just want it to be, and it just, and it did. Yeah. And you're left with a lot of shitty choices. <laughs> yes. You're just left with a lot of shitty choices. Yeah. And I don't think any of them are wrong, by the way. So and even if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I stayed or I left or I did this, I don't think that there's any bad choices. No. I think it's just the choice that you make and then you figure out a way to live with that and you go through down that path instead. And so for me, it was a little bit different. Um, the affair was over and we wanted to stay together. We wanted to try and figure it out, but there was a lot of complications. So Jade, and he's been very vocal about all of this. He was still in love with the other woman. She had betrayed him, ironically. And so he was still in love with her and he was going through a breakup with her. It was really confusing for me to feel like he's chasing her. I'm chasing him. Who's chasing me? Mm-hmm. What am I doing here? And so that began a year of me doing a lot of things on my own. I was like, you know what? I got to batten down the hatches. Mm-hmm. I can't rely on this. It's not guaranteed. Everything is up in the air. And uncertainty became my normal MO, which if any of you have have lived in a place of uncertainty or not knowing, it is extremely uncomfortable. It's just very uncomfortable. And so I started traveling by myself. I booked um, a trip to Italy and I lived in Amalfi for a few weeks on my own, didn't speak Italian, but I loved that experience because I, at pre- previous, I had never even gone out to dinner by myself unless I was traveling. For me, I was that person who, if I was in a relationship, felt, I don't want to say better than, but felt safe. Mm-hmm. Someone chose me. I'm the one. And Esther Perel talks about that's why a betrayal feels so hurtful. Yeah. And by the way, it's not about, it's not about the sex. At least not for me, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. honestly, if Jade had gone to Las Vegas and was like, you know what? I had sex with, with a hooker. I'd be like, okay. Like that's not that, yeah. that for me, it wasn't that. I know for some people that is. Yeah. For me, it was about just what does it mean about me that I'm not the chosen, I'm not chosen anymore. Yeah. That someone could el- could take my spot then I'm replaceable yeah so I was forced to figure out a way to feel important Mm -hmm. without being chosen and without having that one person say that I'm their person and I know it sounds so silly or maybe it doesn't sound silly so I had to figure out a way to be okay on my own and that took a like a long time and so I started traveling and I went to Australia and I lived there for a month and I'm sure if if you guys are following me on social media you're like what is she doing where is Jill (laughs) but at that time I was not we didn't even know what was going on with our own relationship so we didn't we certainly what we're talking about publicly we're barely being able to communicate it to ourselves Mm -hmm. but one of the lessons and one of the things that came out of it was a, a really rocky year not because we were having like dra- you know knock them out drag them out fights all the time it was more just a lot of like walking on eggshells both wanting to communicate but not really having the tools to mm-hmm. articulate you know and Jade was still in love with someone else so he was trying to maybe not say some things to me to spare my feelings mm-hmm. so we were just tripping over ourselves trying to communicate and I was lucky we're both lucky that we continue to show up to the conversation and I think that's why we can be really good friends now because we kept showing up even when it was really hard we left we came back and then I was like I'm going here I'm and then I'm coming back yeah. and then and it kind of all came to a head when we did a six-week trip overseas with his family called the Tita Trek, and it was great. And, and by the way, we've always been close. We've always been best friends. We were always... So it wasn't that it was like a, at any point really bad. It was just a, a really a lot of uncertainty and a lot of emotions. And we 
were over in Europe for six weeks. And before we went, we said, you know what, let's just, we're with your family. Let's just have a great time. Let's not talk about anything heavy. Like we're here, we're stuck together with all these people. Like, let's just relax and enjoy ourselves and figure out, you know, let's not have any conversations about our relationship. Let's just let everything breathe. And it was smart that we did that and we had a great time. And when we got back from Europe, basically I was like, I want to talk. Like, let's, like, let's actually just like, have things changed for you? Yeah. Where are you? Where am I? And we had kind of like a state of affairs, state of affairs. Yeah. A lot of series of conversations, very honest conversations. And within a week I decided to leave because things weren't changing. And it wasn't that it was bad moment to moment. It just, I could see being in that exact same place and feeling stuck in my relationship Mm -hmm. three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, it would have been easy to stay, but it would have been hard too. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're, it's two shitty choices. Two shitty choices. (laughs) It's two shitty choices, stay or leave. But I didn't want to be in the same place. And I was starting to lose respect for myself. And so within a week, I packed up everything that I owned in my car. I got a new lease in Los Angeles and I drove a country you know what like listening to you and I've heard this before but I just fucking congratulations to us because (laughs) you just had to do something to be in your power so you're like I didn't want to stay stuck and you just felt yourself losing like losing yourself and you know you did something that is really 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 hard and it's funny that in those moments it's almost like this intuition that I just have to do something I have to do something different I mean for me it was these little small things I literally remember the week after I mean I was falling apart but every morning I was like I'm going to put makeup on and do my hair and get dressed and leave the house and it was literally just for me I knew if I just stayed in my pajamas I would just cry all day and probably just fall apart and I would just get in the car and I would just drive around this small town. I didn't know where to go or what to do. I just drove and cried and drove and cried and I'd sit in parking lots and cry. But getting dressed and doing my hair was just something to put me in my power in that moment. It was like, you just had to do something to take back yourself. Yes, you do. And that's for me, that was, and it came in the form of traveling and being alone and exposing myself to like the super just uncomfortable spaces of being alone with myself and trying to figure out a way to like love and appreciate myself apart from this relationship, which was my identity. Yeah. Frankly, here's someone who is a mentor of mine. I'm seeing the humanness of him. Um, he was a mentor. He was someone who always, was there for me, my support system. And at that point I kind of had inoculated myself from my girlfriends. Like I didn't really have a lot of like really good girlfriends. I was yeah. starting to, you know, like you and Jen and Ned and Neg and like just, you know, really kind of surrounding myself with other people. You have to do something different. And for me it was moving physically. Yeah. And I showed up in Los Angeles and when you move somewhere, like I'm not saying that everyone should do this or it's the solution for each person's situation. But for me being forced to just be in a new environment where I knew nobody. Yeah and go to a new gym and be in a new neighborhood and eat different food and surround myself with different, you know, types of people was the thing. Mm -hmm. And I spent the first year in Los Angeles super fucking lonely. Yeah. So lonely. And I remember like just feeling like, uh, I don't know, like a loser feeling like, you know, and I loved my business and we can talk about kind of that and later, but you know, just feeling like rejected, unwanted. (sighs) 
but it's yeah, hard because you didn't. But then, but it's hard because you're the one who left. Yeah. So yeah. you're angry that you quote had to leave. Yeah. You know, so like you you want to you know like be like you put me in this situation because of what you did. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I was the one who left. Yeah. And so yes, you want to do it because you want to take back your power. Yep. But you wish you didn't have to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? You just wish it never, you wish none of this happened. You're like, why am I having to make these choices? Why am I having to deal with this? Yes. I mean, that was a very similar thing. So when I found out on a Tuesday, I think three days later, Nate texted me that he wanted to file for divorce, which he never did. And we never ended up doing that immediately, at least. But I said, okay, I packed up his shit and I threw his stuff out, but I still didn't know what to do or where to go. And I think when I had the opportunity to move to California, that was so helpful for me because it really was hard to be driving around looking, wondering if he's, if I'm going to see him. Cause it was yep. a very small town. Um, wondering if I'm going to run into his girl. And it was just, it was too much. So moving physically was a big thing, but also same kind of thing. I mean, I was, I had to have California rent and had to find a place to go. And I have to sleep on my friend's couch. Like as much as I appreciated all of it, I also felt like, fuck you. I'm stuck. Like I have to move (laughs) to another place and I have to live with my friends. And I don't even like, I had no choice in this, although I had a choice, but I didn't have a choice. Right. It was like, it wasn't what I wanted, but it was the choice I made. And it is kind of a weird place because you just feel, you feel angry even though you're making the choices as you go and it's you have to like make that mind that mindset switch of going okay and that's kind of the best life thing again coming yeah. back to it of going okay here's my new life now now i live in california i'm going to make the best of it this is who i am this is what i do i yeah. you do and you're it's and it can change overnight it can change you know but i think one of the things that i loved about this and we'll get into some of the lessons here in a second but one of the things i loved about this whole experience was that you realize that you can do it yeah. that you can be a whole new person in a whole new place just like that. Yep, and yep. so we can look at that and we're like, oh, that sucks. Or we can be like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not really scared of anything anymore. Right. Like, I mean, I feel like I had my chest ripped open. I'm just like, give it to me. I'm good. Like if I can get through this, I can get through anything. And, and you know, I don't want to belittle other people who go through much bigger tragedies than what you and I went through. But I think for a lot of women, this is kind of like the worst thing that could happen to them because that's how much stock we put into our relationship sometimes. At yeah. least I know for me, it was my worst nightmare come true. Like my literal worst nightmare come true. And I'm like, man, if I can endure that and come out on the other side, not only okay, but stronger even. Yeah. Man, like I'm ready. Life, give me the the shit. Like I'm ready. Let's go. So true. I mean, and you know what? We can't downplay the effect and the grief that comes out of this because it really is a huge, huge part of life and part of our lives. But I've been through a lot of hard things, a lot. And one of the hardest things ever, like the hardest was placing my daughter for adoption. I was 15 when I got pregnant and I placed her for adoption when I was 16. And I literally would always use that as a, anything hard I went through going forward was like, I got through that. I can get through this. But this, the marriage thing was right there with it. And I remember thinking I I was working all that year on this speech. Um, and basically the whole talk was about how you can't control what happens to you. You can only control how you react. And all of a sudden I had this, this happen and I'm going, okay, Danny, you can only control how you react. I don't know why in my head I thought I'd gone through all the hard things like after, (laughs) like nothing would ever be hard again. And so this shocked me in so many ways because I literally didn't think anything could hurt me as much as the adoption. 
And this was definitely something that I never expected. And like you said, like probably my worst dream come true, except I never even, it wasn't even a nightmare I thought, I even thought existed in my realm of possibilities. And it's hard. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this in other like podcasts too, but you know, getting yourself like, is it, I was all in, yeah. you know, in my relationship. And I think when you do that, you do risk because nothing's guaranteed and you risk that potential heartbreak. Yeah. So where do you go? And we'll maybe talk about this you know, when we talk about like dating and kind of where we're at now in another episode, but I still, I still love, love. I do too. And I, and you know, one of the things, and I was so silly, I'm not really into pop culture, but when Brad and Angelina broke up last year, yep. I was on Twitter and that's how I caught wind of it. And people were saying, Oh my God, can you believe it's like it's such a waste of time that they did all this it was such a failure. And I found myself going like, man, they were together 12 years and people are calling that a failure. Mm-hmm. And I turned it around my own situation and I was like, could you imagine if we had made the choice, made the choice? Sometimes I wonder, you know, I used to wonder, was it all just a waste of time? Gee, it would be nice to be 26 now instead of 36 in the dating realm. But how could you ever, a choice, it's a choice to decide if it was a waste of time. It's a choice to decide if the marriage was quote, a failure. Or are there a hundred lessons that I only learned because of this experience that are invaluable that if I had not gone through this, I mean, in in a way I should be saying thank you. I actually did send Nate a text on Thanksgiving and I said, thank you for the lessons. I said, thank you for all the memories and thank you for the lessons I learned during and after. And yeah, I am thankful now actually. And I know, of course, in that moment. Can you imagine if someone had told you like, just be grateful. I would have been like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even it was so hard to say anything. And I know, you know, in the moment, eventually you'll get there. But if somebody tells you that or they things happen for a reason, you just want to slap the shit out of them. You're going, okay, but not for, not for me, not, no, not this. You don't understand. And it just, it makes sense later, but that's the kiss of death though. When you say you don't understand because you feel so much pain that mm-hmm. no, you don't think anyone could possibly understand. And then you go, man, people have been dealing with this exact same scenario for <laughs> hundreds of years, totally. feeling betrayed. And the emotions are always the same. The, the one thing that helped me so much was actually telling you and having somebody who's been through it. Sure. Because when you would say things to me, you would text me and you're like, it's like the twilight zone, isn't it? I was like, yes. You're like, is this and my life right now? You would, you would say things that I'm like, oh my God, how does she know? How does she understand how this feels? I just didn't think anybody else could understand that. I didn't think anybody could understand and you just really got it. And I realized it's so important and that's why I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this right off the bat too. I think it's so important no matter what it is, whether totally. it's losing a child or whether it's losing a parent or a job, I mean, they, big or small, I think that somebody can relate on a level and they can understand in a way, at least the feelings, you know, at least the feelings. And my relationship may not been the same as Jill and Jade's, but we get, you you know where each other's coming from and the feelings of rejection and the feelings of betrayal those are universal and just to know that somebody has also been there and and to see you know what helped me a lot too was to see since you were about a year ahead of me in the finding out of things it was inspirational for me to see that you were thriving and doing well and doing on your own because I needed that beacon of light because I was so dark. It was so dark and so depressing and I couldn't see past what is my life going to look like? And I wanted to know. I wanted the certainty. I was like, I I need to know, are we getting divorced now? Are we not? Are we trying to make this work? Are we not? Because we didn't have the answers right away. But no one has the answers. And I think that's what's confusing, especially in in my situation here with someone who was much older than me and I was used to having all the answers. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, tell me what's going to... And I remember this moment where Jade said, Jill, I know you want me to have the answer, but I don't know either. I've never gone through something like this either. Yeah. 
and that was a moment where I realized we were on the same playing field and that it was like, wow, like I'm, we're just na- I'm navigating somewhere brand new and that's uncomfortable. Totally. And my thing with, with that was realizing that I'm only one part of this equation. So hmm. for a minute, I asked him to go to a counselor with me and we went and I could tell he didn't want to make it work. I was sitting there going, okay, let's make it work. I like, I'm going to forgive you. Let's do this. And he's just like, uh, I don't know. He didn't know if he wanted to make it work. He didn't know if he wanted right. to be with her or me. He was confused. Yep. And I was like, this a relationship is a two-way street both people have to want it both people have to make it work and I was realizing that I was only one side and I like wanted to get him to the other side and I couldn't and that's when I just ended up going to California we hadn't filed for divorce um, but same with you I just needed to do something different I needed to feel in my power I needed to get away from that situation and my only option in my head was just to walk away and hope and I literally did hope that he would come back I remember remember thinking the first three or four months that I just hoped he would come back, call me and say he's sorry and we would make it all work. The irony was he came back about six months later and wanted to work it out. And I was in a different place. I had worked a lot on myself. I had done a lot of reading and and talking to people and counseling and and growing. And he did come back and I couldn't take him back right away. And it was interesting because I knew if he had done it within a month, we would have been back together. I would have just gone, yeah. And when he did come back, that threw me for another loop of confusion because I'm going, this is what I wanted, but now I don't. One thing that you said to me during that period of time, and I know you, you were always very looking at all the angles, like you're very circumspect. You were always trying to question your beliefs and you were always questioning yourself and making sure that you were making the right choice. And you said, you know, I like the idea of us going through something like this and then coming out on the other side together. And it's like tied up in a bow and it's nice. And it's, and you know, we all have heard those stories too. Yep. And it's great, you know, but one of the things that I think is so true is like, you know, if it's meant to be, it will come back around again, you know, and if it's, it shouldn't be that hard or, you know, I know people who were separated for like nine years and then got back together or your own parents, like, you know what I mean? Like get get married again. Yep. So I just really want to commend you for the way that you went about things very meticulously and trusting in yourself. And I want to remind anyone who's maybe going through something like this, that first decision, like Danny said to to leave and for like for me to leave is not going to feel comfortable and you aren't confident that no. you're going to do well. No. <laughs> you're not confident. You don't know. It's uncharted territory. But I want to just let you know that you will, that you'll be fine, that you will do it. You'll do the thing that you have to do. You'll go somewhere. You'll survive it. You'll endure it. You will. It's going to It's gonna be painful. Sure. I mean, I remember all those nights and those for the first year in Los Angeles just feeling so alone, but I got through it. Yeah. And then, you know, a month or two later, I didn't feel as alone. And I met some people and then I'd like meet a couple more people and then I would like maybe do this thing and I would be out a little bit more. And now, I mean, I haven't felt lonely in years, but it was like, you know, you need to go through that period of time where your life is completely different. Your schedule is different. Yeah. You're not talking to someone constantly. You're not yeah. bouncing ideas off the person all the time. Yeah. They're not there to support you in those things. And there are moments when you're going to want to reach out. You're going to want to, you know, text and stuff like that. And, and it's fine if you do. And you're, I think a lot of us have a little bit of a back and forth when we're trying to establish a new normal. But over time, every moment that you have to do something different and you do something different goes into this like confidence building piggy bank or something that like six months later, you get 
to like, or you earned that. Yeah. You earned the fact that you're confident to do other things that are hard. Yeah. And so if you're in that position and you're scared to do something different and I would never tell anyone what's right for them, but just know that you, you'll figure it out. You will figure it out. It might be messy and it might be at times scary and uncomfortable and uncertain, but you will get through it. And it's always transient. Totally. You just do the next thing. You just do the next thing. You just do the next thing. Right. One thing you kept reminding me to whenever I would have my freak out moments was you'll know when you know, when the next thing comes up, you'll know what to do next. And if you don't know, you just make a decision and you do it. And then you deal with the consequences totally. of that. So whenever I get a little too crazy, I'm like, Jill, should I get a divorce now? Should I, <laughs> I mean, what? she's just like, you'll know when you know, and, and you did, you know, just wait, just wait. And you don't have to make decisions right this moment. And then you can always make a decision and change your decision. And there's something comforting in that knowing that nothing is permanent. I mean, there's something set that made me sad about that, that nothing is permanent, but sure. also there's something comforting and knowing. So Jill mentioned my parents, my parents were divorced for three years and they remarried and they're still together now. And I just realized, well, even divorce isn't permanent. I mean, marriage isn't permanent. Even divorce isn't permanent. And it's, it's not an easy decision. So if you're listening to us going, well, great that they could just pack up a car and go across country. (laughs) Believe me, there was tears the whole drive. (laughs) And Jill has like this beautiful note on her phone of one of her first nights she wrote about being grateful. And I just, I don't know, like I loved her story of getting in a car and just coming across because it was not, you're sounding here like you traveled and you went to Australia by yourself. But I think Australia was probably easy compared to getting in the car and coming across the country. I think it was. And I think there's a lot of different motivations, right? So I had to ask myself, am I leaving because I want to be chased or am I leaving for me? Mm. It can't be from a place of like, see how you do without me. Bye. You know, it wasn't from a place of needing anything. And I think a lot of people make the decision to stay and that works out for them too. And Mm -hmm. if that's you, then I think that's amazing. And Jade and I both agree that my leaving was the right decision for the relationship. It was hard for both of us. Jade wanted me to stay. He didn't want me to go. But yeah, I left the house at 5 a.m. And I drove to Starbucks to get a coffee. And then I just sat in the Starbucks parking lot and just bawled for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I could just go home right now. I just could go back right now. I could turn around and just go right back. And I didn't. I turned the other way and I got on the highway. And with every mile, it just got a little bit easier to go the next mile, to go the next mile. And I drove for 16 hours the first day. And I got all the way to Kansas City. And I got to my hotel room at like 10 o'clock at night. And I was alone. And I was like crying off and on all day. And I said, you know what? This is the shittiest day of my life. Like actually this is the shittiest day of my life. But if I can find five things to be grateful for on the shittiest day of my life, then that's pretty amazing. And I remember like just crying, thinking about that, being like, just feeling proud that I could do that on a day like that. And I wrote down and everything was future facing. It was like the opportunity to the opportunity that the fact that I'm able to financially leave, you know, which is something I know that a lot of men and maybe women, I mean, women and maybe men too deal with when their relationship goes sideways is that they feel reliant on the person, not only emotionally, but financially. And I was grateful that we, that we were, and we didn't have kids, you know, so there's a lot of different considerations. And I would never say that, you know, staying or leaving when you throw kids into the mix, I would never even, I can't imagine 
imagine what that's like. I know that my decision was the best one for me, but I'm pretty sure that if I had stayed, I would have left again. Like I would have left three months from then or yep. six months from then because yep. the conversation wasn't changing and it only changed when I physically did something. So yeah, I mean, it's it was tough, but every mile that I got closer to California, it got a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier. So it's funny too, though. And I think that grief and going through this isn't so linear, like it got easier, but then I'm sure there were harder days. I know for me, it's been over a year and a half. And I remember at the very beginning crying literally like 90% of the day. And then maybe four days in, I was crying only, I remember texting my sister-in-law. I'm like, I only cried six times today. (laughs) And then it got to where I was like only crying once a day. And then it was going, oh, look, I didn't cry today. And maybe it was four times in a week. And then it would go months and months. And then out of the blue, it would shock me. I'd, I'd get triggered by something and I'd get upset, but you do get stronger. Like that confidence bank, just you, you figure it out. And every day you just try and try and try. And I think it's, I think it's really amazing that, that you had the getting in the car experience. Cause that's huge. That was really big. So, okay. When you came out here, you hadn't quite got the divorce yet or even filed. And same for me. So how did you finally get to the decision? Because if one of the things you kept saying is you'll know when you know, and I kept wanting, like I needed mm-hmm. this wrapped up. I needed to know. And it actually wasn't until we had been separated about 10 months. And I literally, it was just a moment where I, I, I think I had a gut feeling actually. That's, that's a lie. I had a gut feeling for about four or five months. I was ignoring this feeling, ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it because logically in my head, I kept thinking we had a good marriage. I believe in marriage. I don't believe in divorce. I bet we could be happy together. I'm sure we could work this out. Something in my stomach or in my heart was telling me we needed to split, but I kept pushing that feeling down. And I also had to examine that of why, why do I, why am I so scared to get a divorce? Is it just because a society, is it because I want a trophy to say that we made it? I liked the idea of like being able to maybe in the future be on stage and talk about how we had gone through this affair and we made it out and stronger and now we're a better couple and we can talk about it. But ultimately my gut won out and I, (laughs) I mean, I was asking for signs. I went, I like called a psychic. There were so many things. (laughs) Um, ultimately the final sign was just way too glaring and it was, it was time. But how did you get to that decision? Like you were, cause you guys were separated for much longer than we were before Mm -hmm. your final. Yeah, we were separated for a long time. I think I knew when I stopped getting emotional hits, right? So even though, and I'm sure we'll talk about this is getting a little bit long today, but I knew when I wasn't getting any emotional hits anymore and he was dating someone else and I was dating someone else. And I was kind of like, why am I scared of divorce? Like what? Like it seemed so final and I think I was scared of it. But when you looked at my life, I was single, you know? So like the divorce wouldn't change anything. My day-to-day life was not with Jade. Mm Mm-hmm. His day-to-day life was not with me. So getting divorced wasn't, it became like, it would just, it wasn't going to change anything. So for me, I think it, it felt like a little bit final, but I knew when I wasn't getting any emotional hits anymore about things. Yeah. And I like that you say there's always three sides to every story. Cause when we talk about affairs, there's three people involved, mm-hmm. right? It can feel really, you want to position yourself as the victim. I think yep. it's easy to position yourself as the victim. I was the one who this was done to. I'm the betrayed one. I'm the, you know, the victim in the story, but everyone has their own. And it was hard, I think at first to acknowledge everyone else's experience 
you know, I didn't want to feel empathy for Jade. I didn't want to feel empathy for the other woman. You know, I just wanted to position him as wrong and I was right. And then I think when you're forced to kind of see all the different sides, you realize that there's three people involved and each one of them has a completely different experience of this one shared experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my lessons are completely different than Jade's. And so he, he being like kind of an influencer and, and being uh, somewhat, you know, a thought leader was sharing a lot of stuff about his own journey. And I was getting triggered mm-hmm. for a long time because I was like, you know, how dare he try to have lessons? Like, I'm the one who yeah. is the, you know, I'm the one who's so it, it felt and we've had this conversation a lot. <laughs> he and I um, and he's he'll, he'll know like he would know when I was kind of off him a little bit, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. And we talk about it. But he. He has his, he, and he is entitled to mm-hmm. his own lessons and his side of the story and, and the, the ways in which like he was transformed by it too. And so once I started just like really loving everything he's putting out, not getting triggered, yeah, he's putting out like anything that he's doing. I'm like, I can just appreciate him as a human. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to, to yeah. do this. And like you said, I mean, divorce isn't absolutely final. People still ask us, like, I don't understand why you got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're great friends and we still are. Um, we've always had a mutual respect, mutual love and respect for each other. At times I didn't respect him. At times he didn't respect me. At times I definitely did not trust him. He didn't trust me. But we've kind of moved through all of that talk, that stuff upside down, all all over the place. And I think so once I started to just really appreciate him as a human in the world yeah, and not like someone who betrayed me or someone that I'm supposed to. It was just more like, you know what? I just really love that dude mm-hmm. and I'm good and I wish him the best. So you kind of mentioned some lessons and I know we wanted to talk about. And we both took some notes that we wanted to bring up. So should we do a part two? Yeah. So we will put this in part two. Well, we want to know, do you guys like this content? Is it useful for you? Obviously, I know that at least for me, my normal MO is prescriptive. Like here are the five takeaways and here are the like three key, you know, mistakes not to make or whatever. This was just more sharing today. And I want, I think hopefully we filled in some gaps for you guys. And I just think think that it's important to get this down because a lot of the reason why Danny and I have gotten so close and why we've come to come together and the reason why we wanted to do a podcast like this was to kind of normalize some of these things. I know so many people who are affected by all different types of things in their relationships, including infidelity, and there's a huge stigma around it. So I think it was important for us to talk about this from the get go, not because it really defines us, but it is, it was a huge, at least for me, it marked a huge shift for me personally professionally, emotionally. And so it was kind of the stimulus or it was the the thing that I needed to up-level myself. And so this, I know this is just more like of a sharing podcast, but if this is useful for you guys, make sure you let us know. Send us a DM, send us an email right in the, or we have a closed Facebook group. Make sure you guys are in there. We'd love to hear your feedback and obviously like share your story with us. We want you to know that you're not alone. And I would never assume to know what's right for you in your relationship. Um, I know it was right for mine, but I think moving forward, we want to kind of get this kind of thing on the table so it loses some of its stigma. Because I know this is a lot of this is happening behind closed doors. I know that a lot of people, I got a lot of emails from women saying, I've n- never told one person this before. And so I think it's important to, to kind of just lay the groundwork. So make sure if you love this, please subscribe and leave a review. You can email us to info at the best life And of course, go to the best life to get into 
into that Facebook group. And we're going to do a part two of kind of the lesson. So we wanted to just give you guys the backstory and everything today because that's going to lead into the lessons. And I think it also helps to know all of the feelings that came up initially because that is real. It is real, real. And I'm excited to go into part two. Awesome. All right, you guys, let us know what you need. Please go ahead and subscribe if you're not already. Leave a review and we're loving you.